Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce Course Podcast. Welcome back, Mum. Hello, Laura. Hello, everyone. Now, today we're actually face to face. We're in the same space, which we is are. great. <laughs> no technical problems yet that I can see, which is a good sign. So, today we're doing an episode on how to convince the unconvincible. And look, we've at some point in anyone's life, divorce or no divorce, we've come across someone who has to, you have to convince them or negotiate with them. But in divorce, I guess people come across it a lot. Oh, they do. They yeah. do. Because there's a, there's usually a long history between the parties um, and, of course, all that emotion. Mm. And so you might be in a situation right now in your divorce where you're trying to convince uh, your partner to agree on um, uh, parenting plans, parenting orders, yep. property, property settlement. settlement. Yep. Um, or, or just maybe one of the things you need to do along the way, like can we sell the car or mm, something, mm. you know? Yeah, so even though this this episode isn't as um, specific, yes. it's actually going to give you a tool uh, and an understanding on how lawyers, I guess, and mediators in your profession are mm. uh, trying to figure out what the actual underlying thing is and how to work around it. That's that's it, Laura. It's the mediator's sort of toolbox. It's the it's the good negotiator's toolkit. And um, because you probably haven't had to use it a lot in, in your lives um, till now, we thought we would do this lesson for you or these, this podcast mm. and give you some of the tips that sort of I've learned, I guess, over all my years. And it um, may just save you some money going to court if you, can, if you can figure out how to convince the unconvincible. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, Mum, I'm going to start with, I know we've got some practical tips, yep. um, but first off, let's just do a summary or a basic understanding. Who is an unconvincible? Well, it might surprise you. Uh, an unconvincible person might be that person that you're ne- trying to negotiate with and they are so darn stubborn and you can't get the, them to see it your way. But on the other hand, might be you. It might mm. be you, the person who is trying to convince the other person who is actually also unconvincible. So, you know, when it, it's a pretty big call to know that you're 100% right. Mm. So first thing to do, I guess, is do a little soul searching and see if you've got it wrong um, or if you are being a little bit stubborn. Well, but I'm assuming for today it's the other person. <laughs> so okay. let's assume that you've done your soul searching, you know that what you're asking for is reasonable yes. and you really want to convince the other party. Yep. So what are some steps people can take to try and understand the unconvincible yes. person? Okay. Well, the first thing you do is you don't go head on. Uh, You could be there forever with emails going back and forth saying, yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Uh, So don't do that because you know that's not going to work. Presumably to have reached the status of someone who's unconvincible, you've done that. (laughs) Okay. Um, So the better thing to do is try to understand the basis of the beliefs underpinning their position. Okay. Okay. So what's an example of a belief (laughs) might be underpinning someone? So... Someone might think, for instance, uh, that 
they've done most of the work in a marriage and, and they're the only ones who who renovated the house or who did work in the garden and, and they might think they're not being properly recognised for that. Um, or they might, um, for instance, think that uh, they had more property at the beginning than they actually did have. Mm. Or you, if you're, you're actually... Um, unconvincible as well um, it might be that you you're holding on to this idea that 20 years ago you had something more than you did so that's facts are often wrong if you if you've made if they're making a mistake of fact or maybe if it's you um, it's just go to the documents mm. you know and and that's a way to to find out who's right and who's wrong and the number of people who are absolutely astonished when they see the documents and go oh oh, I could have sworn. And, of mm. course, they have sworn often in an affidavit. Oh, I could have Uh-oh. sworn that wasn't the case. Yeah. So go to the documents, be prepared to be a little bit surprised. So that's one way, if it's, if it's fact. Yeah, and I guess in a long, 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 long relationship, yeah. if you're getting divorced 10 years later or 20 years later, of course you're probably not really going to remember. No. Um, so maybe it is a good idea to go back and refresh yourself and look, okay, this is what I'm saying, but is it actually true? But also for the unconvincible ex... Is is what they're saying? If is their understanding true? And if you can get the evidence to say, look, look, mate, yes, <laughs> you, you're off your you're tree wrong. right here. You're yep. wrong. Obviously, not in those words, but that might just shove those people who are unconvincible because of facts and mistakes mm. into the convincible. That's right. Yeah. And and there's once you have convi- got yourself into a range. Um, where the facts are the king, mm. and you get them into the range where facts are the king, uh, then the unconvincible should become convincible unless... Mm. Unless what? It's emotion. Oh, okay. Um, unless it's pure emotion. Okay. Um, but again, if it's pure emotion, don't go head on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not going to help. Just try to put yourself in their shoes. Now, you would, if you've been with someone for a few years, you know what drives them you know Mm. someone may have in their mind the narrative that they're a really good mother Mm. and anything that seems to imply they're not is they perceive as a threat Mm. Uh, some other examples i've had in property is where when the parties separate one party says i've got to hang on to my inheritance that money was my inheritance and the law of course puts all of the money in the pool Mm. and divides it so if that's the case what you need to do is is think about how you can um, craft your proposal to them and your your language to them, so as to not um, to well to take that fear away a little bit and not increase that fear. So, like for someone with the inheritance, right? Say they got a hundred thousand from their parents' estate, mm-hmm. and they they are adamant they want to keep that inheritance. Under the law, they might be entitled to $150,000, right, Mm -hmm. Um, say. Um, But that doesn't make them think they've got the inheritance. So uh, it might be a simple thing like a proposal to them saying, and you'll keep your inheritance from your mother plus $50,000. It's sometimes like that because Mm. the emotion gets them um, so they can't see straight when they make a proposal. Or even if you're negotiating with someone and they're worried about maybe their superannuation or how they're going to live going forward or someone might really, really want to keep the house. Um, Sometimes with negotiations, it's handy to say then, look, let's negotiate on the basis you're going to keep the house. 
and then let's look at the rest of us. So you kind of try and find their worst fear and allay that mm. and then negotiate from then on. So um, you raised that one at the beginning where some people might have a fear or t- take it very triggering if someone says they're a bad mother yes. or, or the, the implication of what you're asking means that they're a bad mother. How do you negate that? I think you say, you know, in your correspondence, you would recommend, if you're emailing, um, just say it, you know, if it's true. Say, you're, <laughs> you're a great mum. No, you've been a great mum. Yeah. No no one could deny that you're a good mother. Mm. And because you might not have said they were a bad mother, but if someone's deepest fear is that someone will say they're a bad mother or that awful phrase, which hasn't been in law for years, um, unfit mother. Have you heard that, Laura? No, I haven't. No. I have people say, he'll say I'm an unfit mother, and, and it's not even in the oh. the act. Well, I but... can't run five kilometres, so <laughs> yeah. technically I'm an unfit mother. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> but, yes, I see. So in yes. the olden days it was unfit, unfit mother. mother. And, okay. And it, it is a big fear that people would be labelled, so don't mm. label. Yeah. Don't label. And, and you know, we use that – we use language carefully – now in family law because we used to say um say mum has custody and dad has access Mm. um and those words themselves really um they cut and the custody made the person who had the custody think they had all the power and everything Mm. and the access person felt really bad and it so now we say that the children live with the parents Mm. and they live with mum these times and they live with dad these times so that language alone I think taking that language has eased people's minds so that helps with the emotional it does barriers because you you might not have been able to give custody to another parent yeah but you can certainly have your children live with them five days a week and and with Mm. you for two, Mm. you know, that sort of thing. So I guess the trick then really is to have a real good think and you would know your partner more than ex-partner more than most people would and try and figure out, okay, what... What really mattered to them? Mm-hmm. What really matters to them? They probably yell it at you when you were separating, yeah. maybe. So you would have an idea. You know, um, and what you know. what what image it is that they really like to have, or what you know, what's, what's part of them their, themselves that they care about. That's right. What's close to their heart? Yeah, you and know. then what is it about what I'm negotiating? What they're completely unconvinced on uh, is is barriered by that that's right yeah and and you know experts people people separating from each other are absolute experts on what triggers the other person because not not the people listening to our podcast but some people know how to use that to upset the party so Mm. say you've got a person who really considered himself or herself to be fit and athletic um, and your proposal is that you keep all of the fitness equipment. Mm, you know, mm. that's going to be uh, unacceptable right up front, no matter yep. what else you say. Um, so just I'm asking people, I guess, if they're, if they're keen on convincing unconvincible, don't use that knowledge for evil. Yes. yes. <laughs> use it to use it for good. manage a settlement so mm. that that sort of person... If the first sentence is, of course, you keep all your fitness equipment mm-hmm. and that will kind of, you know, and, and in your communications, even list a couple of agreements that you already have. Mm. You know, we've agreed that you can have that car and I'll have this car, um, but we need to now think about what we do about the house. Okay. And why is that? Does that just say we've already agreed on some things here? It, it, it's a, in mediation, it, some people, it, in mediation I learned 
that if you can get people to begin to agree on something, and frankly, sometimes they, I could only get them to agree that it was Wednesday. Yeah. But if you could write an agreement on the board um, and then another little agreement maybe that, you know, we don't, we both agree we don't want to hurt the children, um, that creates a momentum and an atmosphere of cooperation. Mm. Do you know that's actually a business psychology Is it too? <laughs> strategy? If you can get a person to say yes, ask them a couple of questions where they say yes, they're like 70% more likely to say yes when you ask for the sale at the end. Yeah. Um, so obviously that, this isn't a sale, but it is no. a business negotiation in the end because, you know, you are. it's a business situation now. It's, it's not a relationship as such. No, and, and it's personality and points of view so mm. it's the same as business it's a psychology you know? so yeah. I guess um uh, you've got that you, you try and figure out what it is that your ex is really care about um perhaps is there something that you're saying or doing that's indicating the opposite yes. of what they care about or if you just are silent on that point if they're very triggered by that that in their mind they're going ha he didn't even offer me the gym equipment or she's not talking about the gym equipment I'll bet she's going to keep it so mm. you know it's sometimes better to to say the positive um, mm. rather than just say nothing or say the negative of it now um just just to play devil advocate here devil's advocate um it, w- some people might be worried that they don't want to pander to their ex you know they don't want to um say what they want to hear they don't want to you know say nice things like you're a good mother when they absolutely hate them or you know that barrier there as well so how how do you make sure that you're doing that without just basically giving and saying whatever they want if you have come out of a controlling relationship yes and when when you've been in a controlling relationship every concession you make to the other person um and every blow they make verbally to you feels like a continuation of the abuse and i get Mm. that Mm. i get that um but there will come a time when really you need to be the bigger person Mm. because uh, particularly in a controlling relationship, they want nothing more than to continue to argue with you. I don't say be completely disingenuous and lie. Mm. I mean, if someone's been a terrible mother, I don't suppose you could say, oh, I think you've been a wonderful mother. Mm. You know, that may come up (laughs) against you in court. But but you could say um, you were very involved as a mother when they went to soccer. Or, you know, Mm. the children loved how you read them a story. And don't put once every two years. Just, you know, just... And I guess for those that are coming out of a controlling, manipulative or Mm. abusive relationship, this is also a means to an end in a way. You're just negotiating to get an end document so you can live your life and have your property orders or have your children's orders. So if it takes a couple more episodes where you've got to you know go into that weird dynamic that you don't want to deal with then but mm. but it's it's the only way that you're going to get through it then yep. it's worth sucking it up it, it is it, it's it might be unnatural to you to do something that's a little bit manipulative but hey they're probably using it on you mm. um and it's it's not just for you if we're talking about the children just yeah. ending it yeah is so good for the kids so yeah and, and is that obviously what um, in mediations, it that's is. all the mediators are really doing is just trying to figure out what's the blocks yep. and, and how we can get around it. What's driving them. Um, and and it's, it's such a surprise sometimes in mediation, the thing that really matters. It's such a surprise. Some people really care about the superannuation and don't want to part with the cent of it. Some people 
don't care about that, but they really love one property or, you know, so that mm. we work around that. Um, when you're talking to people too, you know, don't, don't use stuffy language mm. don't, and don't be patronising either, but just kind of try to be genuine in yeah. your communication. I think if you've come out of, a, of a, an abusive relationship, um, in the first stages, we talked about this, I think, um, you'll often think that the other person's all-knowing and all-powerful and and you'll get sort of crunched underneath their feet. And then after a while, you get your power back mm. and and you, you are in a place where you can negotiate face-to-face. But as you grow in your power and separateness from them, you start to think, well, excuse me, what did I let him do that or her do that to me all those years? And then, unfortunately, it's been documented. People go into a place where they are so indignant in retrospect that they will not negotiate. So you've got to be careful to pull yourself back in because, yes, every time he writes a smarmy letter or she she uses those words um you think it's to trigger you, but but for the ultimate good, please try You've just and tone that down. Put your head down and get yeah. through it, and know that you'll come out the other side quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> and, and and cheaper. Yeah, and with a with an outcome. And if you've got kids, that's better for everyone. Yeah, and then after it's all done and dusted, you never have to talk to them again if you don't that's want right. to. You don't have to tell them they're a good parent. You don't have to do anything. You can just co-parent in a business-like manner and life goes back to normal. I guess that's a really hard thing, I guess, the issue when people have separated. It's already heated. It's always very emotional. Mm. Um, So negotiating property and, yeah. So that's why we use our compass, our communication compass. Yeah. Um, Like I said, don't be stuffy in your language. Don't be patronising in your language. Um, Wait a day or two to Mm. check that you're not... um, letting it, any so bitterness creep don't in before write you send anything it. when you're angry. No, or been drinking. Yes. Yep. Don't keep off social media. Find a trusted friend who can say, you know what, you're a little bit snarky there. Yeah. And use our divorce compass. So with our north, east, south, west, be nice, be exact, keep it short and without emotion. And literally, once you've written what you're going to send, have a look and go, is it nice? Is it short? Is it exact? And is it without inf- uh, without um, emotion? Because there's no point having digs with the, at them yep. because that's going to be the block. We, we could have said without adverbs or adjectives because <laughs> if I ever see communication that said she was incredibly patronising, you know, <laughs> yeah. well, patronising is a bad word too, but incredibly really sends you off the chart. Really tokes you. It does. Yeah. It does. So no, yeah. no adjectives or no, adverbs. Unbelievably. So, like, <laughs> so let's say you've got this um, unconvincible person Mm-hmm. And you're going to convince them um, it's so that you can get through this negotiation. It's yeah. not to prove a point. It's not for any of those reasons. Um, you just want to get negotiations, property orders, kids settlement stuff sorted. You find out what it is. Have a real good think. Is it you? Are you making a mistake? Have you checked your facts? Have you shown them the facts? And then is it emotion? And yes. if it's emotion, why? Is it your emotion? Yes. Or their emotion? Yeah. And yes. I get it. You clash because you're exes. I understand that. Yes. And, and, and look, it's not easy. And that's usually why people need lawyers and mediators. But if you yes. can use some of that psychology to understand where they're coming from and negate it, mm-hmm. um, as much as it might annoy you <laughs> when you're really angry. <laughs> and, and 
I'm not saying, we're not saying that this one podcast will help you turn that unconvincible person into a believer or a convinced person. But if every communication you make is with that end in mind of Mm. taking the heat out of it, um, finding out what the basis of their belief is and gradually turning and um, gradually you can convert a person into convinced. Mm. Um, There's not many moments where they go, aha, oh, my goodness, what an idiot I was. (laughs) That that doesn't happen. It will gradually dawn on them that that there's a different point of view. So, um, and if you, the risk if you don't do this, if you don't have a a think about what it is, what's the basis of their belief um, and what their emotion is, and if you're not, exact and short and without emotion um in addition to the response of tis tisn't which doesn't get you anywhere if you're not careful your communication can drive them further into being even more unconvincible Mm. make them dig in so so each communication you need to take the heat out of it a little bit and move them towards being convincible and, and search your own soul. Mm. And have some strategies in place to make sure you don't mess up. If you've done all this good work uh, and you've been slowly building it up mm. to, to getting that point where you're both about to agree and then they might write something horrible to you and you snap and then mm. you're back to square one again. Mm-hmm. So um, that's. I just thought we'd mention in the divorce course online we talk about the four different types of personalities. We do. Um, so I think maybe we should just quickly touch base on each of those divorce personalities and in this negotiation space. Yep. So obviously we've got the high conflict, which we've kind of been talking about. So let's talk about that. In How do we negotiate with an unconvincible <laughs> high conflict personality? Um, with absolutely uncontrovertible facts documentary evidence um as much as you can or evidence around it or find something in their assertions that you know you can prove wrong and just start to shake their foundations a little bit Mm. um sometimes these letters you write um they might not convince a high conflict person but if they show them to their lawyer or if they have a lawyer or if you're writing to their lawyer it may start to show the lawyer um, that their client is off track Mm. and then that lawyer can do the hard work for you in convincing the high conflict person that they're wrong and, you know, to stop pursuing this bad point. And that could happen in mediation as well. If you've got the facts and you're showing the mediator, the mediator then has to help absolutely come around? Because the minute you start tis-tisenting, the only way to stop it is to produce a piece of paper that is absolute evidence Mm -hmm. and then everyone can just be quiet and go, okay, that's an accepted fact. Yes, yeah. Okay, all right, so that's high high, um, conflict. Mm. Next one I'll touch on is amicable. So you guys are usually, you actually usually get along quite well, it's been trundling along, but there's just this roadblock. Okay, so if if you trust this person and you know where the evidence can be found... Um, either give them the evidence but or give them permission to dig and find out. So you might, for instance, if there's been a business and they're not 100% certain what's been going on with the business, give them written authority to talk to your accountant. Mm. Um, kind of turning out your pockets for any doubt things um, and being genuine with an amicable person. Gosh, don't ruin that amicable mm. relationship. So, and, and another thing you might do is, I see this as our roadblock, being frank with them. Um, what can I do to help you get 
you know, um, find out what you need to know. Don't say, what can I do to get you to believe me? But, yeah. you know, what what can I do? What what do you what need? What more information do you yep. need so we can get to an agreement? Get to an agreement, yeah. Okay, that's that's perfect. Isn't Great. that lovely? That's lovely. Let's hope we all get there. Yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, listeners, then the next one we have is manipulative and controlling. So, yes. in that situation, I guess we've already talked a bit about it. Mm. Um, if you are trying to convince a manipulative and controlling person, any suggestions? Well... Um, sometimes even documentary evidence can be deflected by them. Mm. So the best thing you can do with a manipulative and controlling person is don't respond when they put roadblocks and and bombs in their letters. Um, Again, your divorce compass could not be more powerful. Keep it nice, exact, short and without emotion. Mm. If they're poking you and trying to get a reaction because that's what they like to do, don't give them that satisfaction. Mm. When the fun goes out of it, maybe they'll settle. Well, that's that grey rocking it again is. where you just, or stonewalling, where you just don't engage in that and there's no fun for them anymore. No. It's like a cat playing with a mouse. <laughs> and if it plays dead, it's like, eh, I'm kind of done with it <laughs> yeah. now. So I think, yeah, if you can learn how to just not respond yes. or react, I think that's that's helpful. Um, next. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yes. So, so you respond to the factual elements. Yes. Um, I'd suggest either printing out the email or just going through with a highlighter online and take Blank out all of the smart alecky words. The word salad. All the adverbs. Blank out all the word salad. And adjectives and all of the accusatory stuff. You always did that. The jag jags. Yeah. And just look at the nub of it. What is it that you have to answer? Is there a question? Is there a question in there somewhere? And if there's not a question, do you need to answer? I don't think so. Just just give them a rose. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so then the last one, which could be tricky in this instance mm. of the divorce course personality, is the avoidant divorce. Mm. So I guess you've got two roadblocks here. You've got the unconvincible for emotional reasons maybe, but also you can't even get get them to pay attention because they're avoiding you. So what's the tips there? I think it depends on which bit's the most powerful in them. If their most powerful emotion is that they're unconvincible, I think you can still negotiate with them the way that we have with anyone else, you know, put your story, keep it short, nice, exact, without emotion. Um, if their primary emotion, the, the everyone has sort of one big driving force, I think, yeah. and if the avoidant person is, is that, that's their big thing and really you're not able to convince them because they're not engaging, then I think the way with an avoidant person is to make it easy for them break it down into little steps mm. um, and and find out. Don't ask them a question. Tell them the problem and tell them two solutions and okay. ask them to pick one. That's a and if idea. a person's really avoidant, tell them the problem and give them the, the solution. <laughs> um, give them the link to log on, whatever it is. Send them the pencil. Yeah. Send them the forms. Yeah. Um, I'll come round and do this for you or I've given it to your mum. Next time you're there, next Tuesday when you go to your mum's place, she'll have it there for you to sign. Go to the sticky note yes. and the pen that I've sent you and yes. sign it. And there's a sealed envelope with my address and postage stamp. Yes. Put it in and put it in the mailbox. And, and you know, the other thing with the avoidant person um, is be careful of your subject line. Uh, some of the some people will see an email from someone and they won't even open it. Mm. Uh, if they're in a bad space, like emotionally or terribly avoidant or 
depressed or whatever. So put something in that. Like you won the lotto? No. No? <laughs> no, okay. No, something genuine. <laughs> okay. So, so uh, for, for instance, oh, uh, good news, I found an agent or um, say hi to your mum for me and when you're there and then put the rest of it in there. Ah, clever. You know, um, or um, I think I've got Dahlia uh, into two school interviews um, which one do you want to do first? Or just, you know, good news, yeah. schools or, you know, something yeah. like that. That's not threatening. That's not a letter. Mm. Um, not re-our divorce. Yes. You know. Yeah. Okay. So, well, that's yeah. good tips. Well, look, I think, Mum, you've given everybody some, some really good insight there. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add? Well, this is a saying I do like. It Never in the history of of the world has telling someone to calm down actually calmed them down <laughs> so so don't be preachy or superior <laughs> and don't tell them to calm down and I, and I think also maybe not say I've listened to this podcast and you're emotional oh. or you know I've I think you've got a barrier don't don't tell them that you're onto it you just want to help alleviate it because oh my goodness that would be terrible yes yes and it's pattern city out there everyone's got a pattern yeah and uh, you may have your own little pattern mm. um but you don't have to give your secrets away. Yeah. Just communicate with a view to getting through it quickly. And that's really a good point, Mum. You, you really can't tell someone to calm down when, like, saying it isn't going to help them. No. Uh, but, um, of course, if you can't negotiate this on your own, the steps are to go try mediation. Absolutely. Call Relationships Australia if it's children-related and get um, a mediation booked where mm-hmm. you, they'll talk to both of you and you can talk and then sort it out with someone who, like mum knows all of this stuff and does it day to day um or of course if you're still stuck and you've tried everything um even if you've done our entire divorce course and followed all our negotiating and and templates and everything we basically do it for you if you still can't then you might have to go to court and i guess that's a different thing yes or or go to a lawyer and, and have a lawyer tell you if you're on the right track that's true and then a lawyer's letter will often force the other person to go to see a lawyer to respond, Mm. particularly, uh, well, sometimes an avoidant, but definitely you're a high-conflict person Mm. and you're an emotional, manipulative person. Um, And your lawyer can tailor the letter to be read by their lawyer and their lawyer can reality check them as your lawyer will reality check you Mm. and um, do those steps if you just can't take yourself out of the emotion of it enough Mm. to be dispassionate about that yeah and I think um, if you can have a reminder of the divorce course compass Mm -hmm. we might um, have a free printable where you can just print it out and stick it next to your desk Um, because in those times of emotion or something's blown up you just need that in a storm you need the compass if you're going on a ship so I think you know the Mm -hmm. same situation just set a reminder in your phone put it somewhere so that you don't make the mistake and ruin all that good hard work. Don't blow it. Even if they're sort of throwing bombs at you all over the place, Mm. um, don't make it worse. Yeah. And in the long run, you'll get through it quicker. You will. And you might just convince the unconvincible. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And um, a shout out to a listener who recommended this as a topic. 
Yes. And I said it to mum as a joke and mum was like, I can do that. And I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, if anybody has any topics they'd like us to touch on or talk about, just DM us or send us an email to the divorce course podcast at gmail.com or Instagram or Facebook or jump on our website and subscribe for the opportunity to join our online course. We're actually looking for some beta testers, aren't we, Mum? Yeah. The course is pretty much ready to rock. (sighs) We just want some people to have a run through it and see, you know, if we've missed anything or if there's anything we need to fix up. Mm. So if you are interested in being a beta tester, we're going to be choosing from our subscribers, which we already have, which is great, Yes. um, for the divorce course online. So go on to the divorcecourse.com.au and have a look and subscribe and we'll be choosing some lucky beta testers very soon and uh, we'll be talking more about that and our launch very soon soon <laughs> it's why we're together actually we're getting it done <laughs> we're, we're in a retreat we're in our own personal um retreat doing yes. working on a weekend <laughs> as usual right. well thank you very much for listening and uh, we'll talk to you again soon bye everyone Thanks, If you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording in 2020.